Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, OnPay. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Atlanta Business Radio is an old friend, Bonnie Buell Russick with BBR Companies. Welcome, Bonnie. Hey, thank you, Lee. Good to see you. Well, or hear you at least. (laughs) Well, it's great (laughs) to catch up with you. Tell us what's new at BBR Companies. Yeah, so as you know, um, I am have been doing marketing for professional services firms now for about 12 years, believe it or not. Um, And one of the things that I um, kind of, a goal I set for myself was every year I wanted to learn something new, take a course of some sort or something just to kind of keep abreast of what's going on in the world. And uh, just a little bit over a year ago, Um, I decided that for 2020, I wanted that to be um, getting certified in diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting. So I jumped in with both feet and um, went through the Cornell program and got that certification back in November. So in addition to the marketing stuff I'm doing, I'm also adding in some um, diversity, equity, and inclusion training and consulting and working with clients and other firms out there to, you know, help them set goals, meet goals, create programs, you know, whatever it is that they want to do to try and make their workplace uh, more diverse and more inclusive. So now how did DEI become such a priority uh, for you? What what attracted you to um, choosing that to learn more and get certified in? Well, you know, it's always been something that I've, I've, felt was an important thing. And part of that's just, I guess, the way I was raised and the part of Atlanta I live in and just being in Atlanta itself. um, I've always felt like, you know, my life was richer when it was, when I was surrounded by people that weren't necessarily exactly like me. Um, And so, you know, I think a lot of us were hit by the murder of George Floyd and went, wow, this is kind of, Definitely something, it, it was a turning point, I think, for society. And um, it kind of made me say, you know what, this is something I kind of want to pursue. And if I, I can do something to make the world a little bit better place, then I should do so. Now, were you seeing uh, your clients uh, or the people in the professional services industry? Was it kind of a hot button issue for them as well? Were they saying, you know what, we got to lean into this a little more. We got to pay more attention to this. Maybe there are some unconscious bias or subconscious bias happening in our firm that we should kind of look at. Yeah, I mean, there was some, um, certainly Um, The clients that I tend to work with, which are, you know, professional services, accountants, attorneys, IT, um, and others uh, tend to be probably a little more conservative in nature than some other types of businesses. But they did recognize that, you know, there are opportunities to grow and expand and, you know, create workplaces, like I say, that are much more inclusive. And, you know, Inclusive workplaces tend to keep employees too. And with, you know, a shortage of particularly accountants out there, 
you know, there's a, a battle, hiring battle going on right now for just trying people trying to fill spots. So, you know, those that tend to be more open-minded in their hiring practices and actually how they're running their firms are going to be more appealing, particularly to, you know, millennial um, generation and even Gen X. Now, um, what did you learn when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workforce? Did you, are there stats, is there research that says, you know what, this is more than just kind of a, a nice to have or something that we can, you know, put a cert- certificate in the corner of our website, but there's really a business reason that companies should look more at being more diverse and more inclusive. Are there stats that back that up or is this something that just sounds good and feels good? No. And I thought you might ask about that because this is something I get asked a lot. Um, And there are stats and I'm going to read them to you just to make sure I get them right. (coughs) Um, Having more diverse, uh, inclusive, equitable, just uh, more open-minded workplaces Um, One, uh, encourages greater creativity, innovation, and growth because diverse firms are 70% likelier to capture a new market and 45% more likely to report increased market share year after year. So definitely, you know, it's, you're going to have much more likelihood of entering new markets and um, expanding the services you offer. Um, Two, it increases employee engagement. I mentioned millennials before. 83% of millennials report being actively engaged when they believe their organization fosters an inclusive workplace culture. Three, um, it supports better decision-making. Teams that are inclusive um, make better decisions up to 87% of the time, uh, which is pretty darn amazing if you ask me. Um, I have two more. Uh, better financial performance, uh, that definitely uh, interests the accountants. Um, ethnically diverse companies are 35% more likely to have financial returns above their respective national industry median. So they're going to make more money than their competitors. Um, gender diverse companies are 15% more likely to outperform their competitors and companies with more diverse leadership report 19% higher revenues. And finally, it attracts talent. 67% of job seekers at, at, in all ages um, view a diverse workplace as an important factor when evaluating companies and considering job offers. So not only is it, you know, it's, it's a good thing to do. We want to be, you know, human beings that are, you know, supportive and, inclusive of others and get to hear different viewpoints, there's some really solid business and financial reasons behind moving toward a more diverse and equitable and inclusive workplace. So now when you're working with your clients and educating them about this new offering, what does that conversation look like and how do you implement maybe some baby steps to get them um, thinking about how to improve their own firm? You know, it's, it's all about baby steps. You know, it's not one of those kind of things where you're going to flip a switch and everything is going, everybody's going to be happy and everything's going to be wonderful. Um, I think one of the best places to start is 
to figure out where your business is in terms of DEI. And generally, the best way to do that is to have an external resource. Um, I can do this. There's plenty of other people out there, too, that surveys your employees. Um, And the reason I say an external resource is you want to make it um, in a way, do the survey in a way that people feel like they can be completely honest and safe in being honest. Um, You know, we all... Uh, HR in all of our companies is a wonderful resource, but people sometimes just still don't feel comfortable, you know, sharing their honest opinion. And so gathering that information, which typically what it'll do is it'll uncover some areas that your employees see that need to be addressed. And then also looking at best practices at businesses like yours, or even others across the country or in Atlanta or wherever you're located to kind of see how do you measure up against those other companies? How are you competing against them for employees or, you know, best places to work and those types of things. Um, And then typically with all of that information, what you can do is create a training program. Um, A lot of businesses are actually uh, smaller businesses are creating, um, you know, internal committees or councils that are dedicated to this. Uh, larger companies are even in some cases hiring somebody full time to be um, the in charge of the diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives so that it's weaved into everything that the company does and truly becomes a part of their culture. Um, you know, that that to me is kind of some of the best places to start. I've also done some trainings for people for things as simple as, you know, defining the terms that are used when people are talking about DEI, not just diversity, equity, inclusion, but, you know, terms like uh, microaggressions or um, unconscious bias. And there's a lot of words that are thrown around and it helps just to understand what each of them means. Um, And, you know, I've also done a good deal of unconscious bias training, you know, because that's kind of one of the places to start is by looking inside of ourselves and we all have unconscious biases. It's just, it's in everything that we do and, um, you know, it's all the media that we consume, how we were raised, so many different things create these and just learning how to recognize it and, you know, overcome it in our own personal lives has a big impact on not just us, but on the businesses that we work for. Now, when you're talking about something uh, like unconscious bias, some people can get defensive about things like that uh, since it's unconscious. How do you kind of, are you first working with leadership to, you know, they have to have kind of the, uh, they have to have the belief and vulnerability to even have this conversation with you. So kudos to you for being able to do that. But is it something that you work with the leader first to kind of work through it with the leader and then it gets kind of disseminated throughout the rest of the staff Or does it go, you know, do you start kind of at the bottom and then work your way up? You know, I think my experience has told me that unless an initiative like this is supported from the top, it's not going to work. Um, So, you know, and a lot of the businesses I work with have partner groups that manage them. And you may not have the absolute, you know, complete support of every partner within the organization, 
but you certainly need to have some that feel like this is important enough to put you know, resources behind and to incorporate it into your culture. Um, but you're right. A lot of people, you know, you, one, we don't think that we're biased. You know, nobody wants to think that way. And most of us in our day-to-day lives really don't feel like we are. So, um, well, yeah, I, can, I can make an argue. I can make an argument that the most biased person doesn't think they're biased, even if, if facts say otherwise, because they think they're seeing the world in the right way. I mean, to them, it's crystal clear and obvious. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the biggest challenge that, you know, you, you kind of deal with in some ways is that, you know, it, it's difficult to see, you know, that sort of thing about yourself. And, you know, but until you do, you're not going to understand it in others and you're not going to understand the impact it has on decisions that you make. And you have to keep in mind, and I've done so much reading on this, it's fascinating to me that the part of our brain where our unconscious biases live is actually in in the amygdala, which is the same area where our fight or flight responses live. So it's not something that we really think about. You know, if you're walking down, taking a hike and you see a big, scary snake, you know, you're not thinking about, well, what should I do? You don't sit there and ponder and process. You either, you know, pick up a big stick or you run, you know. So it's the same type of processing of information that happens within us, you know, for unconscious bias. So it's it's very difficult to, you know, kind of take a look at that and think about how it is that you approach things. And, you know, when was the first time you had a, a female doctor or a person of color as a doctor in your life, you know, and that's kind of, and that's just one example of many, but, you know, that feeds how you see people in positions of leadership. I mean, I know from my perspective, you know, I didn't have a doctor of color until I was probably well into my thirties, you know, so that you have to kind of think about that. And, you know, how do you view the people in your life and, you know, in positions of power and how do we learn to kind of adjust that thinking a little bit so that we can see, you know, others that may not look like what we're used to and even ourselves in those roles. Yeah, and I think it really, um, that kind of unconscious bias really comes into play, like in terms of recruiting new employees. Like if historically you've always recruited from a certain group, maybe it was a fraternity or an athlete or certain groups of people were typically who you were looking at to hire, then they're going to almost by definition all have that in common. (laughs) So -hmm. you're missing out on the rest of the planet who doesn't participate in whatever that activity that you had deemed as the place where our employees come from. So it's just a matter of sometimes just kind of going outside of your comfort zone and go, Hey, why don't we do this experiment with this other group and see how that plays out. And just, I find that when you look at things in terms of experiments, uh, then it's okay to fail and it's okay to, uh, you understand that you're trying something new and, and sometimes it's easier to, to do something that's called an experiment than it is to make a policy change. <laughs> I think you're right. And, you know, that, that actually reminds me of a conversation I had with a, um, actually it was an accounting firm and this was, 
many, this was over a decade ago, and they were actually wondering, you know, why do we not have any, you know, black applicants for jobs or why do, you know, they're just not finding us. And, you know, I, I asked the question, I'm like, well, where do you go to recruiting fairs? And it was, they went to the schools that the partners had graduated from. So they went to the university of Georgia, they went to the university of Alabama, they went, you know, places that they were familiar with. And I said, we have some of the best HBCUs in the city of Atlanta that have really tremendous accounting programs. Let's go to those fairs too. Right. You know? And I'm not saying don't go to the others, but right. let's add that include in. that in there. And it's ironically is that the campus of those are probably a lot closer to where they are than the campus of university of Georgia. Very true. <laughs> um, and but you also have to keep in mind, too, and I want to comment on um, what you said about an experiment. I think that's that's a really interesting way to look at things. But one thing you kind of have to be careful of, too, is, you know, you can't judge an entire group of people based on the performance or activities or how well one person works out. And I think that happens a lot of times, too, where, you know, you'll judge you have your first I'm just going to say gay hire. And it just didn't work out to be a good fit for the firm. Well, one, what did you do to make that person feel included at the firm? Was it actually not that person as much as the culture of the firm itself? And two, that one person doesn't represent the entire gay population. So you have to be really careful not to extrapolate and make assumptions and just write off an entire group of people based on, you know, what one how well one person works out. Right. So now if somebody wants to kind of learn more about this side of your practice, um, what is the best way to find you? Well, um, you can find me. My website is bbrcompanies.com. There's a page on there all about the DEI services. Uh, and I'm, I, I love talking about this topic, as you can tell. So um, you can email me at bonnie at BBR uh, consults, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-S dot com. Or, you know, at LinkedIn, Facebook, I'm out there. Just uh, my name is so unique that if you do a search for me, you will find many ways to find me. <laughs> that's a that's a good uh, branding tip, right? There you go. <laughs> Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work and we appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's great talking to you, Lee. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Atlanta Business Radio. 